Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Ephesians chapter number 6. Let's stand for just a minute. I'll read you a few verses and we'll look at this tonight and um, um, see what um, the Lord would have us to say. Can I just say this? I hate the devil. Can I say it again? I hate the devil. Amen. And uh, I told Brother Ryan today, I said, I'm so glad that the devil's going to hell. Amen. I don't mean that ugly. I'm just being honest with you tonight. And I am looking forward to the day that the Lord comes back. We don't have to battle Satan anymore. And uh, I tell you, man, I, I've been studying this on, on fighting the good fight. And, and uh, I, I've, done, I've done probably as much, if not more, studying on Satan uh, over the past month and month and a half that I ever have. And, uh, man, when you go to messing with him, um, he comes around. Amen. Um, uh, and, and tonight, man, he's fought me on this, but I know it's where it's supposed to be. Look what the Bible said in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, uh, that you may, or that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, uh, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to stop reading there for the sake of time. I'm interested in verse. 14, the middle of uh, standing therefore, and here's what we're going to look at tonight, having your loins girt about with truth. And I want to talk to you about the girdle of truth tonight, and if the Lord will let us over the next several Wednesday nights, we're going to walk down each one of these pieces of armor that God gives us and look at them. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I sure stand in need of your help. Father, I know that I can say nothing that would help anybody on my own. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd bind the demons of hell tonight and Satan himself. God, I'm reminded of what the Bible said in Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 11. You said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives, even unto death. And Father, we plead the blood of Calvary over this service tonight, God. We plead the blood of Calvary, Father, over everything that we say tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Um, in this study, we have studied the enemy of our warfare. We've looked at several different things about our enemy. We looked at our enemy last Wednesday night. We looked at Satan, different things about Satan. We also looked at how verse number 10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But tonight, I kind of want to turn a little bit and I want to start looking at the equipment of our warfare. The equipment of our warfare. Um, God knew that we would be in a battle and in a spiritual battle, a, um, a demonic battle, and in doing that, God 
God thus gave us equipment for our battle. God didn't send us to the battlefield uh, 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 unequipped. Amen. He gives us what we need. Verse number 10 emphasizes twice that our strength is in the Lord. It's not in ourselves; it's in the Lord. Verse number 11 teaches us that every area of our life has to be protected. He says the whole armor. He didn't tell us to take part of it, but verse 11 and verse 13, uh, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. The devil has a strategy. He knows our weak and unprotected areas. And uh, can I say that to you again? He knows uh, our weak and our unprotected areas. He don't know everything but he does know some things. Verse number 12, uh, or let me say this, the word wiles, uh, um, in verse number 11, it teaches us that, uh, that every area of our life has to be protected because he deals with the whole armor. The devil has a strategy. He knows our weak moments. He knows our unprotected areas. And, and the Bible said in verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil or the trickeries uh, of the devil. And uh, I, I want to say this to you, verse number 12, uh, and, and I'm not said a lot about it, but let me just say a little bit about it. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Again, we're not against each other. Amen. We're not against each other. Again, we're to bear each other's burdens. Amen. And we ought to let each other know that. And verse number 12 deals with our spiritual warfare is what it deals with. Uh, I would say it this way. It deals with uh, different levels of spiritual warfare. One writer put it this way. He said there's four different orders uh, or ranks of spiritual beings in verse number 12. He said principalities are like generals in an army. Powers are privates in, an, in the army. Demonic influences in individual possessions. Rulers of darkness of this world is a demonic influence in the worldly business. And then he said this, number four, spiritual wickedness in high places is demonic influences in world religions. And I want to say something on that. That is so true. Um, that writer, he hit the nail right on the head with every bit of that. And um, there is a spiritual wickedness in high places today. Uh, there's a bunch of, uh, of, uh, of guys and gals, and it's a shame you even got to say gals in that, but a lot of guys and gals that are hirelings today, um, that are heretics today, that calls themselves preachers. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something, that spiritual wickedness uh, in high places. Yeah, man. Now you can see, you might as well help me tonight and we'll get done. That spiritual wickedness uh, in high places. So he's given us these four different levels here. And as the Christian grows in the Lord, uh, I would say this, he encounters more powerful, uh, wicked spiritual beings. What I mean by this, I battle things today that I did not battle as a young Christian. And I say this, I battle Satan more today than I ever have in my life. 
I'm just being honest with you, I do. The closer I get to God, the more I try to read my Bible, the more I try to abstain from things. Uh, uh, and we just come off of a 21-day fast. A few of us has added a few things to that and going a little bit longer on some things. And, and, and the more that I do that, the, the harder Satan fights me. Uh, if, if the devil, and, and, and we're talking about, we're headed to this having our loins girt about with the truth, uh, thy word is truth. And if the devil can get us away from the word of God, can get us out of our prayer closet, then the devil has us whooped. You say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm not reading my Bible none, and I'm not praying much, and I'm not battling the devil. That's why. That's why you're not battling the devil. He's got you complacent. He's got you exactly where he wants you. So as you grow as a Christian, uh, as you grow as a Christian, you battle more demonic oppression. Not possession, but oppression as a Christian. As the Christian matures, he will encounter attacks from different areas. Jesus was tempted in three ways. He was tempted by the will, by the word, and by worship. Job was tempted three ways. He was tempted financially, he was tempted with his family, and then he was tempted physically. Are you with me tonight? And can I say this? God allowed that to happen in the life of Job. He allowed every bit of that. Matter of fact, God said, Hast thou considered my servant Job when Satan came before it? So Job was tempted. Solomon fell and he was tempted in his old age. Samson, uh, uh, or not Samson, but Absalom fell and he was tempted in his young age. There is never a place to let your guard down. The conflict is never over. And as a Christian, we must have the whole armor of God put on on a constant basis. There's never a time to let our guard down. Because as soon as you let your guard down, I promise you, Satan's coming after you. Hang about this with me. A spiritual enemy requires spiritual equipment. And I say that again. A spiritual enemy requires a spiritual equipment. A spiritual foe requires a spiritual fight. I don't fight Satan. Uh, I, I don't fight Satan uh, uh, with, with, with a Glock 22. Uh, that's not the way I fight Satan. I don't fight Satan uh, 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 with, with some kind of weapon of this world. It is a spiritual foe, so therefore it requires a spiritual fight. Think about this, a spiritual rival requires a spiritual resistance. Who is our arch enemy? Who is our rival tonight? It is Satan. That's who it is. And in this spiritual rival requires a spiritual resistance. God has provided the whole armor of God and we cannot admit one part of it. We can't take one part of the armor away. We've got to have the whole armor of God. If the part of the armor is essential, for victory. Can I, can I say that again? Every part of the armor is essential for victory. Now, think about this phrase as we roll in to verse number 14. Stand therefore having your loins uh, girt about. 
and that your loins are girt about. He also says this, Wherefore take unto you, and verse number 13, take unto you the whole armor of God. He said take that unto you. The phrase take unto you means literally this, to take it up, to put it on, or to suit up. Did you catch that? It means to suit up. And Brother Zach sitting back there works for Kernersville Fire Department. And if uh, tomorrow he's working, I don't know if he's working tomorrow. I know he's not working tonight because he's sitting here. But if he's working tomorrow and he's sitting at the firehouse and, and, and they get a call for a structure fire, and Brother Zach jumps in the truck and gets on the scene and gets out of the back of the truck and takes off running in the house and, and, and just as BDUs or, uh, or in just a pair of uh, a pants that they issue him and a shirt that they issue him. Guess what? He's going to be in trouble. He's going to be in trouble. What's he have to do? He has to suit up. In other words, if the bunker gear is not outside the truck, if it's inside the truck, as he's riding down the road in the back of that truck, going to something that could literally take his life, he's putting his bunker pants on. And after he gets his bunker pants on, I, I don't know how he does it, but if it was me back when I was in that position, Brother Tim, the next thing I'm going to do is put my Nomex hood on because I want it down in my coat and not on the outside of my coat. Then I'm going to put my coat on and then, whenever I get there I'm going to pull my mask over my face and then I'm going to pull my hood up over my mask and then I'm going to put my helmet on my gloves on and I'm going to go to the front door and I have suited up for the, for the enemy that I'm fixing the dragon that I'm fixing to face you say preacher what are you saying here's what he's saying you better suit up because we're in battle we don't send our men to the front line today uh, in, 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 in a pair of dress slacks and, and a sports coat. That's not the way we send our men to the front line today. They have the best of the best in our military. They're on the front line. They have the best of the best. And you know what they're going to be? They're going to be suited up for the battle that they're in. Now here's what he says to us. He says, take it up, put it on, suit up with the whole armor of God. Why? Because we're in a battle tonight. We're in a battle tonight. Keep in mind, Paul is using a word picture here. He is in prison. Matter of fact, Ephesians is the first of the prison epistles. And Paul is sitting in a prison cell, not a cell like we would know today, probably even a deep, dark dungeon. But he sees a Roman soldier as he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he says, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, if we're going to finish the fight that God put us in, then we're going to have to suit up. And here's what he says. He says, having your loins girt about. I want you to stay with me right here over the next 10 or 15 minutes. If you, if you don't, you're not going to get the message, okay? I want you to stay with me. The girdle or the sash was always with the ancients an important part of their dress in war as well as in peace. Did you catch what I just said? War as well as in peace. They wore loose flowing robes and it became necessary to gird up, gird them up 
when they traveled, ran, labored, or went to war. Now think about this. The girdle is not just a strip of cloth like a girdle we would think of today or a leather like a belt. It is a large, thick, heavy apron and you'll find in studying manners and customs that it covered the entire abdomen region and the innards. It went all the way around and covered every bit of it. Now, you'll also find out that the girl sometimes had a lining of iron or a lining of steel, and it was designed to keep every part, listen now, every part of the armor in its place. You hearing me? It was designed to keep everything in its place. It was not just some thin belt. It was not even some thick belt like a Judy belt, Brother Ryan, that we would think about, but it was thick and it covered the whole abdomen area. Uh, whenever you think about that, it was a fastening piece. In other words, it was something that they fastened the sword to or something that they fastened everything to. It was a securing piece. I, I hope you're with me tonight. It was a securing piece. Not so much a fashioning piece, but a fastening piece. It was something that secured. Now I want to say this to you tonight. And there's a lot today that is more interested in fashion than they are being fastened to the truth. Yeah, man. Too many children of God are interested in decor instead of interested in dedication. And that's another whole message within itself. The girdle served several different functions. Number one, it was a defense barrier against enemy swords. It was hardy enough to keep a sword out. So if the enemy came at you and with their sword, it was able to keep that sword out of your, your stomach area and your vital area. And number two, it was a place to tuck in your outer robe so your legs would be uncumbered during battle. Number three, it was a sheath on which to hang your sword. Number four, it was a place to carry money. And number five, it was a place also to carry writing instruments. And you say, well, why in the world would they carry writing? Now, they didn't have a cell phone to text. Alright, just think about the day. y'all everybody awake tonight? They would carry writing instruments. As Paul calls it a girdle of truth. How do we put on the girdle of truth? How do we fasten the girdle of truth? I thought about this. You must simply, number one, be able to to adequately and accurately define what truth is. What is truth? If we're going to gird ourselves with truth, then what is truth? It was a very important part. Are you with me? It's what kept the enemy's sword from cutting your gallbladder out. Are you with me? From hitting your kidneys, from hitting your lungs. It was a very important part. So what is truth? Think about this women today. Truth is defined three different ways in Scripture and that's what we're interested in. Number one, the Word of God. 
sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth in John 17, 17. Number two, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, watch this, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me, John 14, 6. So number one, the word of God is truth. Number two, the Son of God is truth. But stay with me, number three, the Spirit of God is truth. Listen to what the Bible said in John 14. And I will pray thee, or I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that may abide with you forever. Even, watch this, the Spirit of truth. John 14, 16, and 17. John 16, 13 is this. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. So you say, preacher, if we're going to gird ourselves with the truth, what is truth? Truth is the Word of God. Truth is the Son of God. And truth is the Spirit of God. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? That's what it is. Think just a minute on the Word, the Son, and the Spirit. Sanctification comes through the Word. Security comes through the Son. And strength comes through the Spirit. Amen. Can I say that again? I hope I'm not losing you because I'm telling you there's some good things that I'm saying to you. Can I say it again? Sanctification comes through the Word of God. That's the way we know how we're supposed to live. Think about this. Security comes through the Son. I'm not saved in myself. I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then our strength comes through who? It comes through the Spirit. The Spirit of God is who indwells in us. The Spirit of God is who helps us. The Spirit of God is who corrects us. So our strength comes through the Spirit. Now, I want you to stay with me. There's three parts of a man. There's body, soul, and spirit. But John 3, 6 says this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That is flesh, body, soul, and spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The soul has three parts. It's mind, emotions, and will. And this is what Satan is ultimately after. You said, preacher, I thought we was talking about girding up our loins with the girding truth. I am. Stay with me. Here's what Satan's after. A mind with which to think. A heart with which to feel. And a will with which to act. Can I say it again? A mind to think a heart to feel, and a will that will act. Temptation or sin starts in the mind, then it swells the emotion, and then it sets off an act. David looked on Bathsheba. It started in his mind. It swelled an emotion. Are you with me tonight? It swelled an emotion. And then what did it do? It set off an action. Now I'm, I'm headed somewhere. Truth will... What is truth? The Word of God, the Son of God, and the Spirit of God. Truth will fasten your mind. That's what the girdle does. 
It will fasten your mind. It will fasten your emotions. And it will fashion your will. That's what it will do tonight. You remember the story of Judas, don't you? You remember Judas, the one that betrayed Judas Iscariot, that betrayed Christ? Think about something with me. That which started in the mind of Judas continued to the heart of Judas and finished with the action of Judas betraying Christ. Are you following me tonight? Think about this with me tonight. His mind had an opportunity to yield to the account of Christ. His heart had an opportunity to yield to the affections of Christ. His will had an opportunity to yield to the actions of Christ. However, he was not girded or fastened with truth and he betrayed Christ. We are in a war. A war for the mind, a war for the emotions, and a war for the will. The devil is fighting to corrupt the minds of the world, to confuse the emotion of the world. People don't even know which bathroom to use today. I'm not being ugly, I'm just being honest with you tonight. Let me tell you the reason why. They're not fastened with truth. They're not girded about with truth. Amen. The devil is fighting to corrupt the minds of the world, confuse the emotion of the world, and compel the will of the world. What is the will of the world? The will of the world is communism. If you don't think that's so, just throw a rock into Virginia and look what's happening. So it's all in the mind of Satan. And here's what the Bible says. That if we're going to overcome that, then we must have our loins girt about or fastened about or suited up with truth. With truth. Let me show you three things. Truth of the Word, truth of the Son, and truth of the Spirit. Are you with me tonight? Number one, truth of the word. It combats the mental attack. The mental attack. I, 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 again, I'm not being ugly. But we're living in a mental world. In a mental world. Um, I said this in afternoon devotions today. I said everybody struggles with a little bit of schizophrenia. <laughs> Now you might as well say, man, because there's some days you go about your day and everything's fine, and the next day you smack everybody you look at. I'll tell you what it is, it's, an, it's a mind game. You say, no, it's an emotional game. Where did your emotions come from? They come from your mind. It's a mind game. Daddy has said this for you, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. An idle mind. Think about this, truth of the word we're taught what is truth tonight. I just showed it to you. Truth of the word combats the mental attack. The child of God should look daily into the word of God and see the son of God and be transformed by the power of God. The Bible said in Romans 12 too, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Now what would you do if you were Satan? 
and you knew the word protected the mind. Are you hearing me tonight? What would you do? You'd do all you could to distract from the word, to discredit the word, and to destroy the word. Do we, do we need to go back to Genesis 3 and have a lesson on that? That's exactly what Satan done in the Garden of Eden. He attacked the very word of God. Think about the distractions of the mind when you're sitting in church. When, 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 what is the theme of church? The word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1, down about verse 14 or 16. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the central theme of church. Every song that's sung should be based off of the Word of God. Yeah, man, every word that's uttered while the preacher is preaching should be based off of the Word of God. Matter of fact, just about everything that's said should be based off of it. I understand there's a time of prayer request and announcements, but other than that, it should be based off of the Word of God. So if you were Satan and you knew the Word is what would help your mind, you would do everything you could to distract your mind from the Word to discredit the Word and to destroy the Word. Think about this while you're sitting in church, the random thoughts that run through your mind. The random thought. I don't mean this ugly, but probably some of y'all in here tonight, you, if your life depended on it, you couldn't, say, you couldn't tell half of what I preached tonight. Why? Because the devil attacks your mind. Now you can holler, amen. You can holler, he distracts your mind. He distracts our thought. I thought about this. He distracts it in so many ways in the church. So many ways. Let me show you one way that he distracts your mind. Now, I'm not against smart watches. I wear one during the day. I don't wear one to church. Let me tell you the reason why. It's a distraction. It's nothing more than a distraction. You know what, I, I've, if it wasn't for one or two um, dependent on their phone because of work issues, I'd put a blocker in our church that kills every bit of the cell phone service whenever you walk in it. Let me tell you the reason why. He distracts, everybody okay? He distracts your mind with that. He distracts your mind with that. I'll tell you something. If, if your job don't depend on, on you, you shouldn't even bring a phone in the house of God. You say, why? Because it's nothing more than a distraction. How many times has a person been sitting on a pew that was lost and on the road to hell and in the middle of the invitation somebody forgot to turn the ringer off on their phone and it go off or it go to buzzing or your watch go ding ding and there you are. Oh my goodness, I've got to make sure somebody don't need me uh, right now. And then that lost person that God just convicted their mind is immediately distracted. What did he say? He said, we gird up ourselves. How do we gird up ourselves? We gird up ourselves. Truth is word. And the word of God combats our mind. It is what can... Hey, I'll say this to you tonight. The word of God is what can control your mind. I, I said this today. I, I, this morning and this evening both, I've done devotions on Matthew chapter number four. 
And you've heard me say this many times. But let me tell you what Satan or what God overcomes Satan with, Jesus overcomes Satan with. Three different times, it is written. And all three times, he didn't have the full Bible at that time, but he quoted it from the Pentateuch. It's what they had at that time, no doubt. He quoted it from there, and he used the Word of God. Jesus overcomes Satan through the Word of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you're having a problem with your mind, get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Bathe yourself in the Word of God. Let, go to sleep listening to the Word of God. Wake up listening to the Word of God. Ride to work listening to the Word of God. If you can put earbuds in at work, listen to the Word of God. Indulge your mind in the Word of God and suit up with the truth of the Word of God. Number one, and I, there's a whole lot more that I can say right here, but I'm not. Number one, there's the word of truth, and it combats the mental attack. Number two, number two, not only see the truth of the word, but number two, there's the truth of the Son. And it combats the moral attack. The moral attack. Satan attacks morally. He wants to replace, listen to me, he wants to replace your love for the Son with a love for sin. What is truth? Truth is the Son. What does the Son do? It combats the moral attack from sin instead of on the Son. Because when your mind is on the Son... You're not going to be thinking about sin. And when your mind is on the sun, when sin does appear, you'll run the other way. Yeah, man. What did the Bible say? The Bible said that man is timid when he's drawn away of his own lust. I'll say more about that in just a second. But I'll say this to you tonight. Truth is the word. Truth is the son. The son is what combats the moral attack. Wrong thinking leads to wrong believing. And then what you believe affects how you behave. Why do we not do some things that we don't do? Because we believe it's wrong. But Satan wants to attack you morally. And in doing that, he attacks the son. Time's about gone. Let me give you one more. The truth of the word of God combats the mental attack. Truth of the son combats the moral attack. But then truth of the spirit combats the motivation attack. The motivation attack. He wants mind mentally. He wants heart morally. But he wants will or our motivations. He's interested in us mentally. And if he gets us mentally, then he'll start working on us morally. And when he starts working on us morally, guess what? Our motives is next. Our motives is, our motives is next. I already said this, let me say it again. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Drawn away and enticed literally means allured. It's a fishing term. It's temptation. The fish circles, then nibbles, taste, and desires explode from within him. He takes the bait, and then what? He gets hooked. And when 
And, and, and we are all, if we're not careful, hooked on sin. You know what happens? Satan drops the bait. He drops the bait. I remember years ago, Brother Tim, when I was fishing all the time, I'd pull up at them docks. I'd take that jig and I'd flip it up the side of that dock or skip it underneath that dock. And I'd wait a minute. I'd let it fall down. Then when that line quit moving and it was on the ground, and I liked it when that line was going down and all of a sudden it started going to the side. Because usually that meant you had pretty good fish. Usually them biggins had hit it falling. But anyway, it'd get there and then whenever it got there, you, you, you set that jig right where it stood up. And you hid that hook in that jig. And you'd pop him a couple times and bounce him off those rocks. And you was enticing that fish. You was enticing him. And, 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 and if you done what you're supposed to do, you got the right kind of jigs that was flavored. And then you put a little bit of other kind of flavoring on it. And you say, what kind? It don't matter. And you'd pop it. You know what you'd see? You'd, you'd, on, on the rod tip, it'd be like this. Is that right, Brother Tim? I mean, that's good preaching, ain't it? It'd be like that. You know what would end up happening? It'd hit that thing two or three times, and then all of a sudden you'd see that line start to leave a little bit. You know what had happened? That old boy had come by, that old gal had came by, and she tasted it. He tasted it. He was allured. And then after he tasted it, you know what he done? He indulged in it. And then as he started swimming off with it, all of a sudden, Big John was going to turn the boat over whenever he set the hook. He was going to set the hook. And then that's when all the fun starts. Let me tell you the reason why. Because they're fighting to get away from what has just hooked them. And let me tell you what has happened to so many people today in our churches. They've not suited up. They've not girded themselves with the truth. And now Satan has dropped down a little bit of lure in front of them. And they began to look at it. Their mind has began to go to it. And then all of a sudden, their morals began to change. And they think, well, it's all right. And then all of a sudden, their motives have changed and they have eaten the bait. They're sitting in a prison cell somewhere today. They're out of the ministry somewhere today. They're pregnant as a teenager today. Why? All because they did not gird themselves with truth. They did not gird themselves with truth. Come start playing softly. Satan is after us mentally. Satan is after us morally. And Satan is after our motives. And I want to say something to you tonight. If we're going to make it in this battle, number one tonight, we better, we better gird up our loins, not with anything, but with truth. Did you catch that? Standing therefore having your loins girt about. Paul's looking, Paul's looking at that soldier. I really believe it. I believe he's looking at a soldier as he's writing this. And he sees that gird, he's, that girdle. And he says, gird up thy loins and then he says this, with truth. He adds to the picture that he is seeing and takes it from the fleshly man to the spiritual man. And he says, you better gird it up, but you better gird it up with truth. You better gird it up with truth. 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 Truth is what? 
Truth is the Word of God. Truth is the Son of God. Truth is the Spirit of God. Hope you're getting what I'm preaching to you tonight. Every day, every day, you better get in that Word right there. Every day, you need in that Word right there. Every day. Don't let Satan get you out of the Word of God. I, I, um, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm hesitant to, but I'm going to. We've all peeked around a little bit about the Daniel fast. And, and, and I, if anybody takes this the wrong way, I'm not meaning it boastfully. I'm not being prideful or anything. I'm just talking to you, okay? Just talking to you. And I've done it several times before. And, and matter of fact, this is the first time that I've only done it 21 days. I usually always do it 40 days. But every time that I've ever done it, in those 40 days, six and a half chapters a day, on a 40-day Daniel fast, you read through your New Testament, to do it in, in, in 21 days, you have to read about 10 and a half chapters a day to get through it in 21 days. And whenever I figured that out, I thought, man, ten and a half chapters a day, that's a lot. And it is. It is a lot. I thought that's a lot. And here's exactly what the devil said. You don't have time to read ten and a half chapters a day. Are you hearing me? He said, you don't have time to read ten and a half chapters a day. So you know what I've done? I listened to it. I listened to it. I thought, well, you're right, man. Ten and a half chapters a day is a whole lot more than seven and a half or six and a half. So I listened to it. And, and I have... <laughs> I, Leslie and I even talked about this. On those 40-day Daniel fasts that we've done numerous times, I've never struggled. It's, it's just, it's never been a struggle to me. I've, we've never even talked about it. We've just done it. We've just done it. In these 21 days, I've about pulled my hair out two or three different times. And this morning, me and Brother Ryan and Brother Heath was talking. And here's what I said to him. I said, Lord, talk to me this morning. And I said, this is just my morning meditation. And I'm sharing it with y'all. I said, but Lord, talk to me this morning. I said, I know why I have struggled so hard on 21 days. I said, here's the reason why. I wasn't in the Word as much as I was on a 40-day. Preach what you mean by that. That word right there will help you. That word right there will help you. And if you'll indulge in that word, I promise you life will be a whole lot easier. He said just starting off, right off the top, before we cover anything else, you got to have truth. And the truth is the word. The truth is the son. Hearing the preacher tonight, that's what the truth is. That's what the truth is tonight.